Welcome to our next episode. I'm Carly Knight. And I'm Sabrina Monet. And welcome to Procrastination Planet. Where we should be writing, but... Okay, so during our last episode, we dragged a whole bunch of tropes that we don't like. And as I was editing, I realized that I kind of sound like the hip youth pastor who tries too hard to sound cool and I've decided I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna say things like AF and dragging and whatever. Don't so- be so dry. <laughs> don't be so dry. Don't be so dry. Don't be so dry. I don't even remember where I heard that but I, I heard it it stuck. Wasn't that from your cousins or something? I think it was like my little niece that said that and it was so hilarious and I, I don't know if it was meant to be negative. I took it as such so... Okay, so since we were being all kinds of negative last time, this time we're going to be all positivity and love and light and shit with our Tropes We Love episode. Yay! Okay, so the thing we want to remember is that tropes aren't the same thing as cliches. Yeah. Tropes aren't bad. Tropes are just tools. And without tropes, you can't write anything. And trying to do the anti-art where you write with absolutely zero tropes... That's kind of a trope in and of itself, so yeah. suck it. Okay, so as I was editing, I realized that maybe I should take some elocution lessons, at least in the YouTube tutorial variety, because I'm too broke to get <laughs> a proper elocution coach. Because there's some things where I'm like, am I not enunciating quite enough? But then I don't want to slow down and over-enunciate all of my words, because that can be unbearable in and of itself. I just say Benedict Cumberbatch and then everything works out. (laughs) (laughs) Everything works out with the Cumberbatch. Oh, yeah. Anyway, let's get to the The tropes. Yeah. Yeah. Tropes we love. Okay. Okay. So I think I'll go first. Uh Um, One of the tropes I like is the bromance. Oh, the bromance. Okay. So my thing about the bromance is it's really cool to see two guys showing affection for each other and you don't have to make a bunch of gay jokes about it. Yeah. They kind of toe the line with um, JD and Turk. But at the same time, their their companionship and their friendship is absolutely genuine. They don't have to do a bunch of dumb crap just to prove that they're super straight. JD and Turk, why am I... Scrubs. Scrubs, okay. Yeah. It's been a while, but okay. Do you know, when you were talking about bromance, I thought you were going to bring up Sean and Gus. Oh my gosh, from Psych. I, I think they're a good example too. Yeah. As you can tell people, my um, my pop culture references haven't quite made it past last decade. And also, if it's stuff from last decade, I don't have to worry about spoilers. Yeah. So. She's doing you a favor. Yeah. You're welcome, bitches. <laughs> Okay, so I I love Sean and Gus, too. Like in, what was it, the season, not the season, the series finale of Psych, they kind of did the fake proposal. Because Sean, I know Sean and um, and Juliet were, I think they were going to get married, but also the proposal was um, to have Gus move out there, too. To San Francisco, yeah. Yeah, I need to watch that again. And I love the idea that Monk was in the kitchen working on the case when they arrived. That was fun. No surprise there. The thing I love about those USA shows is they kind of revel in their squareness. Yeah. They don't try to be hip and edgy and whatnot. No, they don't. It's one thing if if a show happens to be hip and edgy and blah, blah, blah. But when a show tries to be that way, it's annoying. Yeah, when it tries too hard. There's pretty much what anything on Fox falls into that category. Minus The Simpsons. That's just a show on its own. Yeah. So do you have any examples of any bromances you like? So a bromance that I like would have to be... Uh, the Myron Bolitar series by Harlan Coben. So you have Myron there with his best friend. 25 years have gone by. It's like there's a conversation in book one that you'll see continued in like book 13 and 14. There's no competitiveness or 
love triangles or any anything like that in their relationship. They're just really good buds who aren't family, but have created a family together. And um, they're just bros. That I like. Not that toxic masculinity bromance. I hate that stuff. What's a good example of a toxic masculinity bromance? Uh, when you have a drunken football player who's uh, beaten someone up or bullied somebody, and then the, the best friend will come along and go, you don't get it. He's going through a hard time. Sort of slaps him on the back and they keep on going. It's like, no, he's an asshole. You're an asshole. You should both get hit by a truck. Okay, so the enabler type. The enabler type. There oh, you go. Okay, okay. Yeah, those, uh-huh. those are terrible. Yeah. I don't really consider that much of a bromance anyway it's not really yeah i think you know what bromance wh- where did we get it removed from like the f- whole frat boy because i we're used to feel basically... like they were one and the same but now it's like romance is more neutral it's just guys who happen to be friends without the and they balls to the wall love each other their, yeah. their friendship is everything what's the female version of bromance i really don't know because i think women are socialized to be okay with displaying their affection openly men on the other hand are not Mm -hmm. their only feelings are supposed to be lust and rage yeah you're not really supposed to be sensitive Uh. i don't really think there's a an equivalent female wise so you're bromance yeah so i think it's kind of an antidote to that toxic masculinity where you're not allowed to show any emotions other than the aforementioned lust or rage yeah that's a good one yeah so uh mine would have to be hot foreign guys that is a trope i love hot foreign guy i'm down with that but we've had this conversation before mm-hmm. i think i have to reiterate not reiterate but um i'm not objectifying the foreign guy i'm just appreciating him what i see is someone who isn't necessarily in your storyline like you're living your own life in your own world and this person comes in from a completely different universe from you and you just click and you find something in each other. And that is where I come to my example of broken English with Parker Posey. Oh, I love Parker Posey, but have I have not I've not seen that movie though. You haven't seen that movie? No. Spoiler, I'm gonna ruin it for you. That's okay. It's on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix. Okay. So here she is at a party, and I, th- I think it's like she lost her job. Just everything that can happen to you in a span of a work day happened to this girl. Then she ends up at this party, has a few drinks with this gorgeous Parisian, and he turns out to spark something in her. And they go watch penguins out of everything. That's like that's what I love about Parker Posey, is she does these films and you're like oh my gosh where is this story gonna take you and think about it you spend all night having drinks with someone you've never met before in your entire life the very next step is you never see them again no in her story she gets to go with him and look at penguins why are you giving me a death stare like it doesn't happen come on follow for this i'm not giving you a death stare i was messing with the oh okay. i was looking at the volume thing you're paranoid but, no no no. it's like okay i need you I to clear my throat the, i need you to believe in the penguins carly i need you to believe in penguin love <laughs> penguin love. the goal for 2019 is to I make carly believe didn't ruin this in take. penguin love that's all i need but yes hot foreign guy basically i see that rule as you're living in your own universe and someone from a completely different universe falls into it and it just works is that a trope you can get behind or have i blown fireworks into the atmosphere i think you've blown fireworks into the atmosphere although the way you've kind of made it sound as it's like a a gender flip version of the manic pixie dream girl manic pixie dream can you name one because that is a manic pixie dream girl i just has to say it again so i can remember it was like some kind of like 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 the zoe deschanel archetype or kirsten dunce's character in elizabeth town the wacky girl who doesn't really have any personal life of her own but her purpose in the story is to inspire the guy to change without his having to put forth any effort into character development so we can actually 
see that a lot of the tropes I like are actually gender flips of tropes we've seen for decades. What does that say? I don't know. Mind blown, Carly. (laughs) Or maybe I'm completely reading your interpretation wrong and I'm just... And here's the thing. And I'm just crazy. I'm blaming it on the heat, everybody. Yes, blame it on the heat. Uh, I'm I'm gonna slap my hand a little bit here because I tend to give you cinematic examples of the things that we review and I don't give you literary examples. So for Although this, I've been giving a lot of TV examples for mine. Given, but you, you do back <laughs> it up with, with, with other examples. Can I, in, in the next 30, 20 seconds, can I come up with a literary hot foreign guy? I don't know. Can you? And I cannot. That's no. fine. Why would I have brought up broken English? I think I just wanted to like talk about Parker Posey because I love her and she's amazing. I don't blame you on that, okay. on that front. And she posts the cutest pictures of dogs on her Instagram. Aww. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. That's okay. <gasps> and tropes that we don't, that we do like. Sorry, I'm always on the negative. Let's focus <laughs> on the positive. Gosh, Sabrina. I can come up with 40 <laughs> things I hate, but you ask, ask me for something I like and it's squeezing three examples out of me is so hard. <laughs> what's, your, what's another good trope that you... I'm going to go totally TV here again. I think I tend to go for the TV references just because it's easy, easy shorthand for the listeners. Yeah. Easy shorthand. Okay, that's why I use it too. And everyone has a different taste in reading, but TV tends to be a little more, a little more of a universal language. Universal language. Okay. Anyway, I do like unlikely friendships. That one is always a fun trope. Like (laughs) E.T.? I I guess we could go there. But my thing is, I like the idea of the unexpected. Tango and Cash. Okay. I hear you. (laughs) (laughs) I've never actually seen Tango and Cash. Okay, let's give us a, an example of your uh, unlikely friendship. Okay, so one that really stands out for me is yet another Mad Men reference. Oh, nice. And I'm going to sip some fizzy water. Brought to us by... Mm-mm. No, can't do it. No, they did not pay us. No. There was an episode during the very last season. It was Lost Horizon. And that's the one where Sterling Cooper and Partners was getting shut down. And then everyone was getting moved over to McCann. And, okay. Okay. And so that was the episode where Joan was experiencing sexual harassment. And then she was name checking Betty for Dan and all kind, and spouting all kinds of feminist rhetoric. And I'm like, go Joan! But anyway, I digress. So um, Peggy was facing her own version of sexism. Her office wasn't ready, even though she's the copy chief. Gotcha. And then she was getting plants. She was getting flowers the way every other secretary at um, Sterling Cooper and Partners was. Okay. They're like, oh, you're assuming I'm a secretary? Oh, poor Peggy. Mm-hmm. Was this the episode where she walked in with the huge uh, squid painting? Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to get to that. All right. So you got to. So that's where I'm at. Okay. Let me rewind tight. a bit. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's that episode. And so anyway, the, um, the lady, I forget if it was one of the secretaries or if it was her future secretary who was like, oh, you can work in the secretarial pool for the time being until your office is ready. And Peggy's like, no, she's not a secretary. And why should she have a lack of privacy since she's copy Because they haven't been able to accommodate her. Exactly. Yeah. So she's like, fuck it. I'm staying home. Oh, you want, you want them to call you at your house, at your apartment if they need you? And she's like, no, call me at Sterling Cooper. So she goes back to the office and she's got the place all to herself pretty much. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Roger's there. 
Roger uh, is there, and he is... A gorgeous he, silver fox, for those of you who haven't seen it. And he's playing the organ, and it's this very David Lynch sort of Carnival of, Carnival of Souls hybrid. Mm. It, it was just very surreal. And so anyway, Roger's like, I'll give you some money if you want to go get some booze, blah, blah, blah. And of course, she's not going to be the errand girl. She's already salty for being treated like a secretary. Yeah. And she's like, no, I'm not going to do it. But she's like, will you drink vermouth? Because it's come down to that. So anyway, the two of them get drunk on vermouth. And okay, so part of what's unexpected about about this alliance is Roger is kind of a relic. He's a relic of the older time, of the 1950s, the three martini lunches, the pension secretary's bottoms, that kind of Uh. that kind of era. And then Peggy is kind of the new guard. Yeah. And she's kind of the the proto-feminist archetype and so the common ground they have though is they're both they both have roots deep in this sterling cooper company like roger's dad he founded the company so he's okay roger's dad founded the company yeah and And then peggy is the first woman in a man's position at this company so she's got kind of a sentimental attachment a little bit too yeah that's kind of her place where she's allowed to have some authority uh before we move on can you answer one question that i can't remember okay who brought Peggy in to be a copywriter. Was it Don? Was it Roger? Who saw her potential? No, that was, um, God, what was the name? It was Joel Murray's character. Was it Freddie? Okay, it was Freddie. And was the lipstick, Fre- right? Yeah. Okay. That's how it all started. All righty. Yeah, now, and he was, t- he was a total sexist pig too. Uh, but at the same time, he saw her potential and it yeah. was kind of, he was kind of treating it like a novelty thing, but at the same time, he believed in her talent. Yeah. And so that, w- that was kind of an unexpected alliance there, too, for that reason. It would have been a little too easy for Don to do it. So anyway, they're kind of exchanging stories. And Roger's kind of, throughout the show, he's been traditionally a sexist. But they're exchanging stories, and he's going through um, Burt Cooper's old things. And he gives her this painting of an octopus pleasuring a woman. <laughs> and <laughs> I think it was Dreams of a Fisherman's Wife or something like that. Peggy's looking, he's like, she's like, I can't have this in my office. And I think her thing was, because um, her shtick is being one of the guys. Yeah. And that way her femininity isn't a threat to them or anything like that. So they're kind of able to deal with her. She's kind of, she's kind of the tomboy kid sister sort. <sighs> so anyway, she's like, you know, you know, I need to make the men, the men I work with comfortable or put the men at ease. Yeah. Put them at ease. And then Roger's like, who told you that? I thought that was a great line. And it's like, he's traditionally, traditionally sexist borderline misogynistic but at the same time he's the one who who helps to empower her yeah so that's an example a really good example of an unlikely friendship or at least unlikely alliance that comes along because they both they both have um semi-sentimental ties with with that old company and they're both struggling to move on in the light of this merger and so i think part of um rogers who told you that is kind of his way of saying stick it to these mccann motherfuckers we don't like them anyway yeah Exactly. And so later on, she walks in. She's got her sunglasses on. She's got her cigarette dangling from her. Yeah, she's hung over AF. And then she's got that, that fisherman's wife painting. Nice. Facing outward. And so she's doing her stride of pride as she goes through the office. And she is not to be messed with. So can you think of unlikely friendships that you like? Okay, let's go for it. Unlikely friendships with Abby Predators. Hmm? Predators, the movie? Okay, I have not seen that one. You need to tell me. Okay, so... There's actually two films that I feel in in the Predator series. Let's go with the first one. Do you know what Predators are? They're like another species, not of this planet. Yeah. Here 
already rolling your eyes at me, which means I'm, I'm gonna love my this eyes. more. I'm I, just, no, my you eyes... just told this beautiful story about Roger Sterling and all his history. My and eyes I are slap merely you with aliens. <laughs> okay, we need to. Okay, we're talking over each other. We're talking over each other. So predators, unlikely friendships. Sana Latham is in this film, and they find a cave where predators are at. The way that predators come into manhood is they have to hunt down the aliens. You know that what the aliens look like with the big skulls? Yeah. Um, and kill them before they get killed. So this predator who was killing humans uh, to get to the alien, he's wounded. And when the alien is just about to kill him, she helps him out. And by helping him, they sort of have this unlikely bond, you know, unlikely friendship. And he helps her out of there and gets back to his spaceship and leaves. And then she gets to survive. So what I liked about that was that you see people who were never, ever supposed to meet. And they sort of make it work and kill the bad guy. But the other predator that was an amazing friendship was the one with uh, Adrian Brody. Because you have a lot of people who are brought into a place who never knew each other, but they bond together to try to make it out. They all die, but they tried their hardest. They were mercenaries, though. But mercenaries from different countries. So imagine having... Do you ever fall, like, you know, like a black ops person, this, uh, like a oh, Mossad, yeah. like a Russian... just um, Special forces type person? Special forces, but from agencies where they may not necessarily like each other, mm-hmm. but they're thrown on an alien planet and they have to get out of there and survive. So they have to count on each other to evacuate so yeah unlikely friendships i like it you're looking so they at me have to like kind of work together and make that and make it work it, it's not a beautiful painting down a hallway but through <laughs> mayhem and carnage unlikely friendships are born they muddle through yes <laughs> all right okay what's your what's your next trope See, this is why you take notes, Carly. My next trope is one that I had mentioned to you in a conversation we had prior, and I completely forgot everything I said that was wonderful about it. But I do know that the trope is the gay best friend or the fat best friend, um, which seems like it would be a, um, a bad trope. But what I mean by that is, is it a bad trope? No, it just means like you have that, you know, that quirky sidekick. There's that quirky sidekick who's going to help the protagonist meet their goal. Well, everyone likes a quirky sidekick and that's fine. Yeah. It's just if the quirky sidekick happens to be an ethnic minority or a gay person or whatever, especially if the writer is white, cis head, etc. Ah. It's easy to really other that person and use that person as a prop to show how the white says head main character is cool and edgy you have to be careful to make the sidekick multi-dimensional to make him multi-dimensional and sometimes i feel like in shows they can steal the show and be like the cool person mm-hmm. i don't know why i use that trope i think i was it was because i was thinking about like parties you know those 90 minute rom-coms Mm-hmm. There's a party and there's always these supporting cast of characters who put together an amazing event. And that event is where the climax of the film happens. <laughs> um, I think that's why I was thinking about the best friend that tends to fall into that, how you said, other category. Can I come up with a positive example of this that is not stereotyping that individual? I did. My best friend's wedding with Julia Roberts. It has she- been so long since I've seen that one. I don't recall that he that his purpose was to make her look cool and progressive or anything like that he was there to support her as she almost ruined her life and the although life i don't of others 
Although I don't remember if he had a personal life of his own, if he was just a prop to help her out. He actually had a life of his own. He was one of the writers at the magazine and she was messing up and he was telling her to, you know, you got to come back to work. But he flew out to see her and ended up falling into this story she had created for herself and there was no other way. Because he's he's a gay character. Mm -hmm. But when he arrives, she lies and tells everyone that's her fiance. So he has to lie in this light. And you could tell it's something he's probably had to lie to either family or friends over the years about. So he just does it, but then he does it a little extra and puts more onto it. And that's where the funniness and the jokes come out. Was he making things more difficult for her? I don't remember. Absolutely more difficult for her. Yeah. In that case, I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm going to go with um, Sean and Gus and also JD and Turk again. Oh. Because Gus and Turk are both the black best friend, but... They don't make the white main character look cooler or whatever. Like Gus, he is a total dork. Yeah. And let's see, um, Turk is way cooler than JD, but he doesn't make JD look like a cool guy by association. <laughs> I know, that's They're, so sad. They both dork out like crazy. But <laughs> Turk also knows, he, know, he knows he's the cooler one of the two. Yeah. And JD is always going to look like a dork. Having a black best friend does not make him cool. Yeah. I don't, I can't think of any modern day J.D. and Turk or Sean and Gus. I can't think of anything like that either. No, I'm drawing a blank. So am I. They just don't make sitcom the way they used to. <laughs> so the best friend, um, we've gone through that trope. Mm-hmm. We see how it works. And as long as you're not making that person other, it can work well in a story. Do you have another happy trope to share with us? Yeah. Well, I also I also want to add that it's not even a matter of being all PC or whatever. Yeah. I know a bunch of people will be complaining, oh my God, you want everything politically correct. No, actually just make their, everything accurate. Accurate and don't be an asshole. Yeah. Exactly. And, and even from a purely literary standpoint, you want your characters to be three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's a lot of stuff that I liked in the 90s that I try to go back and watch and you just cringe. There's some stuff you're like, why did I think that was acceptable? Or like looking at old 80s rom-coms, you're like, oh my gosh, I know. Stalking equals love, no equals yes. <sighs> That's where a lot of guys get that idea that no equals yes. So guys should stop watching rom-coms. You know what, or, though? Like basically 80s movies in general. 80s movies? The Goonies, nothing went wrong in The Goonies. Oh, you're trying to find an example. You're so horrible. You're, you're actually going through the movie in your mind, trying to find a way to say F you to me. Oh my <laughs> I'm not trying to ruin things just to ruin them for you. I'm not trying to take your fun away. I mean, if something is fucked up. Um, but I, I can say, if you want to err on the side of safety and you follow rom-coms to guide you through your romantic path, anything with Matthew McConaughey is pretty safe. Okay, I haven't watched any Matthew McConaughey type ones. They're not problematic at all. Although I might watch it and find something. You will not. It's it's, it's Matthew <laughs> McConaughey. He is he made of Lincolns. magic or something? Yes, he is. He's made. Do you know? Don't <laughs> don't put a beautiful blonde with the, just the perfect <laughs> Texas drawl because I'm gonna vote for him for president, and it's just done. I know. Sorry. What if he? It was, it was 2000. Let it go. It happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I, I I just say things to make Carly unhappy sometimes. I, I look for ways of just... She's trying to see what exact shade of rage, hate, purple I'm going to turn this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <sighs> oh, man. So, um, yeah, the best friend. I can get behind that, but I'm interested to see what your next one is. So Serena's I to... the problematic best friend. <laughs> yes, I am the problematic best friend. I always will be because I'm trying to enlighten and open you up to see the other side. Yeah, and I'm going to be the 
annoying SJWPC police friend. Yeah, she is. But yeah. I'm always here to even it out. Yeah, and if you don't like it, I will bend over, I will <laughs> grab a Sharpie, and mark the exact spot where you can kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> With a Sharpie, I'll draw a little snowflake pattern, too, so you can kiss that. I have nothing to add. I think I was talking into my soda can. You were talking into your soda can. It's not even a soda can. It's a fizzy water can. Okay. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. <laughs> okay, I can't beatbox. And I really shouldn't try and beatbox because it's sad. I can't beatbox either, but I, I even knew that was a little sad over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me clear my throat. Ba 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 Coming to America, all oh, the boys want to feel my breasts. Ha, 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 ha. Oh my god! <laughs> don't give us mics, just don't. I'm trying to be a white rapper called Pace T White. <laughs> That's gonna be my rap name. Okay, I might be getting hate mail for that bit. I don't care. <laughs> okay, next trope. I'm gonna go with. Like the cool or the badass old person. Sophia Petrillo? Oh, yeah. I love Sophia Petrillo. What was your example, though? What road are you taking us down? Well, I was going to go with Betty motherfucking White. Oh, yes. I was going to say Betty White, and but then I'm like, I'm like no, it's um, Betty motherfucking White. Yes, it is. Give us some examples. Okay, so, of course, we love Betty White. And really, I don't care if the cussing old person is starting to become a cliche anymore. I don't care. Yeah. Who cares? I'm going to be cussing when I'm old. Me too. I'm going to invent cuss words when I'm old. Pantyhose wearing Sasquatch. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. Oh, my God. Although I'm probably going to be the pantyhose wearing Sasquatch when I I get old. Because I'm going to be, like, too nearsighted to know how to shave my legs. And I'm just going (laughs) to... I don't know where that came from. I'm going to grow out my pit hair. You said make up swear words, and that was the first thing that came to mind. Or she thinks I'm a pantyhose wearing Sasquatch now. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Do I got too much arm hair for your liking or something? We can come up with better swear words, <laughs> but... We're gonna keep... Have you seen Grandma's Boy? No. Oh my god, you have to see Grandma's Boy. It okay. is hilarical. All right, I'll have to watch that one. Grandma's Boy. Okay. Yeah. It's got Shirley Jones in it. Um, Who else all was in it? It's wonderful. Grandma's Boy. Let me put that on my to watch list. Yeah. But all the old ladies in there are hilarious. And Shirley Jones's character is the total slutty old woman. Oh, wow. And she takes Mike Birbiglia's virginity. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got you to gotta watch the movie. Okay. And I'm not saying slutty to slut shame. I'm saying slutty like she is proud of it. Get it, Grandma. <laughs> I'm going to be that old broad when I get old. I think I'll always be that old broad. And you should. Yeah. I was also thinking of Madeline Weston and um, Burn Notice, since we're going with my old last decade references. We really are. Burn Notice. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I did like Madeline. She was always a badass. Yeah. I mean, she starts off the series like she's this overbearing hypochondriac mm. clingy type. But then there's there's the episode where she's trying to, let's see, what was it? Okay, so Sam, Fiona, and Michael were all trying to break the spy that they had in their garage tied up. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get him to talk, and they couldn't break him. And so Madeline's just like, she kind of walks in, and she lights up a cigarette. She's a chain smoker. <laughs> and so she she talks to the guy. She's like, oh, yeah, well, don't worry. They they work quickly. But she's just being real subtle with everything. Wow. This whole subtle threat. And she's like, she breaks out her cigarette. Okay, it's at this point she breaks out the cigarette. And she's like, would you like one? The next scene cuts to where... 
she walks back into the house and she and she tells um michael sam and fee everything that this guy told her oh my gosh was she michael's mother yeah okay just for, for some of you who haven't watched all of burn notice they should have watched it they should have watched it by now i know shame <laughs> on you <laughs> so she she's a badass old lady also um mike ermintrout in breaking bad yes, yes! Okay. and better call saul if we're gonna yes. go a little more current Okay. I'm, I've only been watching the show on Netflix, so don't spoil nothing for me because mm-hmm. I don't have cable, but I have watched all of Breaking Bad. Better Call Saul, I've only watched the first two episodes of season one. Oh my God, you need to keep watching more. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. No, okay. Why are you watching it? Because what? it gave me a panic attack. Oh. Uh, episode one, where he's sitting on the couch in front of the TV, eating uh, the TV dinners. That just had me going like, oh my God, we all end up like that, don't we? And then I started having a panic attack and I turned the TV off. And after I turned the TV off, I like went and did something and was too scared to come back to the TV show because I thought it was a mirror of my own life if I continued to watch it. And I thought that was sort of their explanation. Like, look, this is a mirror of you because he doesn't (laughs) get the glory. This is what happens to Saul. Or did I just read way too much into that opening scene? Okay, one, I think there might be some projecting issues going on, so maybe do something about whatever you think it is is going to lead you to that state. And two, you have to remember, he was a crooked lawyer who had to go into hiding. That's right. Yeah. Just get shot. It's easier, right? Exactly. Okay. Okay, that we don't endorse getting shot. Disclaimer. We want you to embezzle the money and get away safely. That's (laughs) right. (laughs) I haven't seen the TV show. I don't know how it ends. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, you've seen Breaking Bad though, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Loved it. Every episode. Okay. So Better Call Saul is not going to scar you. Okay. But Mike Ehrmantraut figures pretty prominently throughout Better Call Saul and he's badass. Nice. He's still a badass. He's always been a badass. I think I like the cool old person trope because I'm aging. I'm becoming a woman of a certain age. And these characters give me some sense of hope that I don't have to hang it up and just give up and dry up once I become old. I still got life left in me. I and... hate watching young people talk like they're anywhere near old. You're so... <laughs> I wish people could see you because when you say things like that, they're picturing like Jane Fonda being ungrateful. No, she's young. She's She looks 17 and she's <laughs> sitting here saying, I'm of a certain age. Flatter will get you everywhere. Stop My it. joints hurt now. My my elbow joint not my elbow joint my shoulder joint recently i have to do stuff to kind of keep off my shoulder right now so my workouts have to be non-shoulder specific gotcha and I, i'm and i'm in my prilosec popping years i think everyone over the age of 12 will have shoulder problems if they do <laughs> certain things but I'm, I'm not deluding myself into pretending i'm still 25 or some shit like that like when i write ya my moment of clarity uh-huh is that i'm closer to the parents age than i am to the main character's age See, I'm totally messed up in in that respect because, so our age group, Mm -hmm. um, I have friends on opposite sides of the spectrum. Oh, yeah. I have friends who have teenage kids and I have friends who are starting to have kids now. So they're they're all over the place. Mm -hmm. Is that just our generation? We're just the first ones to really do it that way? And people have had babies in their 30s for a long time. There has to be a reason why we're seeing a spike now, though. Because I have the number of baby showers I've been to in the past year have just been... I think it's because women are going into the workforce sooner and not becoming stay-at-home moms right away. Okay. Is there a way for them to go into motherhood without requiring baby showers? That's the next question. Oh, okay. You're, <laughs> you're just trying... Okay, so this is her roundabout way of saying, do I have to go to a baby shower? 
don't go to the baby shower then. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, that was a great trope. Yeah, because I think when you're old, you can you can still live your life. You can do whatever you want to, yeah. Damn right. I'm going to be a stripper when I'm 80. Exactly. That's the best time to become a stripper. Okay, I'm not going to belabor that topic. Okay, so another trope I like is that whole, um, I don't know what the official name of the trope is, but it's the suburbs, and then the suburbs have shady shit going on. What is it called? I forget, but it's like that suburbia with a secret or something like that. Oh, like the Burbs movie. The dark side of suburbia. Suburban underbelly, yes. And you just said that to me like five minutes ago, which is why it's the only reason I know. Oh, that's right. And and I, and I forgot it and I'm the one who said it. Like, um... (laughs) Like in Weeds. Oh, yes. Yeah. I stopped watching after they got out of the suburbs because it's not fun anymore. It wasn't fun when it went international. and Just, ugh, No, go back to the suburbs. That, that was when it was fun for me. When it was believable, actually. Mm-hmm. When it started getting into she was controlling cartels, I was like, eh. eh I don't think so. No. Yeah, I, I think it's because, um, well, suburbia used to be played straight mm-hmm. as the safe and idealized trope. Yeah. And, of course, dog whistle. It's like safety away from those people yeah so it was like this homogenized idyllic pure and innocent part of town and so the idea that some horrible shit can happen in those safe little enclaves is always fascinating and i think that's why the suburban underbelly trope is constantly enduring yeah because i I think it's kind of kind of a lesson to people not to get too complacent yeah and not to get lulled into a false sense of security Mm -hmm. and um so we talked about weeds a little bit. So, of course, that's like the upper class kind of planned community. Also, um, like in the um, Santa Clarita diet, too. Oh, I love that. Oh, my gosh. Oh that my one gosh. is great. So suburbia with zombies. And Timothy Oliphant. Thank you. <laughs> Her lifetime goal is to become his next wife. You know what? I don't know why I gravitate towards him. Any role he plays, whether he has a cowboy hat on or he's swimming nude in Hawaii or if he's a real estate agent from Santa Clarita. (laughs) Tim of the Elephant, I'll follow you there. It's the hair, isn't it? It's that beautiful hair. It might be. (laughs) And then, of course, David Lynch likes to mess around with suburbia, especially in Blue Velvet. Oh, everything David Lynch is. Have you seen the latest season of, not Dark Shadows. Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. No, I have not. But he kind of takes imagery from, you know, suburbia and even Wizard of Oz and that kind of stuff and innocent stuff. And then he kind of shows that dark side. Can I ruin Twin Peaks for you? Go ahead. No, you're, you're going to watch it, right? And you want to watch it like in its entirety and. Yeah. Okay. Let me not. Sorry. I could skip that. Okay. So what's a trope you like, Sabrina? A trope I like would be Happily Ever After. Um, It works for me. I think I don't think there's anything wrong with there being a happily ever after. I, I do love if it's like if they leave it in the middle, like you don't know what's going to happen, how it plays out, like the way the Sopranos ended. I'm I'm comfortable with that. But your happily ever afters, I also like that. Are you familiar with Prince Charming and Snow White? Yes, I am. I do believe a happily ever after has to be earned, though. Why? It can't, it can't be just tacked on. Oh, speaking of earned, uh, Once Upon a Time on ABC, it was a TV show where they used the actual characters mm-hmm. from the Disney cartoons and made them real life characters, but they totally um, scrambled their brains so they couldn't find each other. Oh, I, no. I like the way they started it out, though. Prince Charming and Snow White live happily ever after. They're actually given a, they're given a theme song at the very episode one. <laughs> then they're split up and they're split up for a while. But every time they would cross each other's path, their love song would start to play in the background. Dun, dun. I'm not going to sing it. I'm yeah. going to control myself. 
And then you're like, no, yeah, that it's I'm, them. I'm not gonna sing either. No, that it's them. And it for the longest they couldn't find each other. Then they finally found each other, and the song just goes blasts in the background. And you're like, okay, that's happy. That's so, where you're supposed so to. So they be. earned their happy ending. They earned their happy ending. So earned happily ever afters. I I'm all for. Yeah, I I think ultimately the ending has to be true to the story as well. If if you're going from a fairy tale perspective, then yeah, that happily ever after. If it's a Disneyfied fairy tale, yeah. Grimm's fairy tales. The original fairy tales, they don't always end happily. No. Grimm's fairy tales can be really fucked up. Yes, they can be. And the original Little Mermaid is kind of fucked up, too. It is. Uh, they showed us the wrong Little Mermaid in school once. And so I was sitting down to watch Ariel, and it was that piece of shit one where <laughs> she dies at sea and she becomes a sea foam. Because, mm-hmm. Yeah, F that. F that. That should never exist. And then he goes and, and, and hooks up with someone else. And I still thought it was shitty that she had to give up her voice to get a man. Fuck that. She had to give up her voice. Yeah. That, she, she was hoeing at the her... beginning. It was oh, fine. Oh my god. <laughs> Problematic Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> then, then she, you know, met her person and it was it was okay. She's a redhead. What do you expect? Sabrina at procrastinationplanet.com. <laughs> Never expect better from a ginger. <laughs> oh my God. You are horrible. <laughs> I was team Ursula, man. <laughs> Ursula was the shit. So, the, yeah, it's, you know, she had that relationship with her dad. It didn't mm-hmm. work out. So she was angry and bitter about it. <laughs> I think I just made that up. I don't think they were ever married. She wasn't ho- she wasn't hoeing at the beginning. Ursula? Oh, Ariel. Yeah. No, she was just hanging around sailors for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, don't ask me. I'm not flounder. I wasn't I can't vet for her what she was doing there. I bet Sebastian knows some shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Sebastian. He was a flounder, but his name was Oh, no, 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 no. The other guy Sebastian, was the, the lobster. The crab. Was he crab or a lobster? I forget. Oh, he well. was something. He was called Kiss the Girl. That's all I remember he kept saying <laughs> over and over. Wow, a lot of these things are trashy, aren't they? I know. Trashy Disney. Oh, good. But they got their happy ending. Yeah, don't sue us, Disney. We're n- Yeah. We didn't mean it. Yeah, we, we don't have any money. <laughs> we love Marvel films. <laughs> <sighs> but... Ultimately, I don't like when an ending is a downer ending for the sake of a downer ending. I hate downer endings, yeah. A downer ending, I mean, if it's earned, like if you're watching a horror movie. Yeah. I don't want that horror movie to end happily. Okay. I mean, if the main characters are reasonably cool and I care about them, I want them to survive. But happy, happy, I don't want that. You don't want happy, happy. It's a cheat. Okay. I'm trying to think if there's anything. No. I think I'm just going to end it with happy. We all need a little happiness. I think an earned ending is the way to go. Earned happiness. Okay. But what if well, the live... ending has to fit the story, okay. ultimately. Oh, and I'm, my voice is all all creaky today. Allergy season, and also I had a little bit of ice cream, and that's kind of made me phlegmy. You're oh, welcome. No. Ice cream makes you phlegmy? Well, it kind of thickens up any existing mucus in your throat. It doesn't make more, but it just kind of... Oh, wow. Kind of thickens up the supply. The things we learn... Hanging out with Carly. Let me clear my throat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I am full on dorked out. Yeah, me too. (sighs) We're not hitting it too many high levels this time, so that's good. Oh, I'm happy. And I'm learning little by little how to edit. Yay. Okay, speaking of endings, we're now winding down to the end of our podcast. Yeah. And... 
I have a lot of sibilance going on, and I don't know how to edit that out, but oh well. Here we are. Yeah. Here we are. This Flaws is my voice. Exactly. I'm breathing. ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe I said it before in the previous episode, I'm crap with endings. Same here. I don't know how to end. I just sort of hang up. The rude phone call hang up. Yeah. Click. Click. Not even a goodbye. Just no, click. Just done. Dead air. Yep. <laughs> So on that note, I hope you like this podcast. I'm Carly. I'm Sabrina. And if you don't like us, um, I'm Melania. And I'm POTUS. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Procrastination Planet. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Procrastination Planet has been written and produced by me, Carly Knight, and my partner in crime, Sabrina Monet. Our logo was designed by C. Trojan of C. Trojan Art. For more of his work, go to ctrojanart.com. Our theme music is Laser Unicorns by Christian Penn, courtesy of Gemendo Licensing. Visit us at procrastinationplanet.com. Follow us on Twitter at ProcrastPlanet. Follow us on Instagram at ProcrastinationPlanetPodcast. If you like us, tell your friends and spread the word. If you hate us, lie and tell your friends how much you like us anyway. We could use the publicity.